It's October 28th, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Cotnor. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says Russia has launched more than 30 drone attacks on Ukraine in just two days, according to the BBC. He added that in total, Moscow had also carried out some 4,500 missile strikes and over 8,000 air raids. Western officials believe Iran has supplied a large number of drones to Russia, but Moscow and Tehran deny it. Western countries also say that Iranian military experts are on the ground in Russian-occupied Crimea to provide technical support to drone pilots. On Wednesday, Iran's foreign minister called the accusations baseless and urged Ukraine to present any evidence supporting the accusations. Al Jazeera is reporting that Elon Musk has kicked off his tenure as the new owner of Twitter by giving the boot to the social media giant's top leadership. Chief Executive Parag Agarwal, Chief Financial Officer Ned Siegel, and Vijaya Gad, Head of Legal, Policy, and Trust, were all shown the door, according to multiple media reports citing people familiar with the situation. Twitter and Musk have yet to officially confirm the firings. Gad has been a lightning rod for conservatives' complaints about big tech's censorship of their viewpoints. As Twitter's top lawyer, the Indian-born executive made the decision to permanently suspend former United States President Donald Trump's Twitter account over his alleged incitement of violence in the wake of the January 6th riots at the U.S. Capitol. The Jingun Daily from South Korea is reporting that North Korea has fired two short-range ballistic missiles into the East Sea this morning. It was the 14th missile launched by Pyongyang since the start of the Yoon Suk-yeol administration in May, and the 25th counting all missile launches this year. Just two weeks ago, North Korea fired a short-range ballistic missile into the East Sea, after which Seoul imposed unilateral sanctions on Pyongyang. Before that, the last time the South Korean government imposed unilateral sanctions on the North was after its sixth nuclear test in 2017. The two-week hiatus in the North's military provocations coincided with the Chinese Communist Party's National Congress, which took place from October 16th to October 22nd. Elsewhere, Brazil's leftist presidential candidate Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva maintains the lead over his far-right adversary, President Jair Bolsonaro, ahead of Sunday's runoff election, according to two polls on Thursday that showed the race is roughly stable. Reuters reports that Lula leads by 52.4% of the votes against 46% for Bolsonaro, according to an Atlas Intel poll. A data full hop poll showed Lula widening his lead slightly to five percentage points from four points a week earlier, maintaining 49% of voter support as Bolsonaro slipped one percentage point to 44%. Analysts say any sign of stability is good for Lula at this point in the campaign, 
with just a few days for Bolsonaro to catch him. The number of undecided voters at this stage of the race and those who say they will vote blank is down to just 1.6% of the electorate, according to Atlas Intel. The United States yesterday ordered its non-emergency diplomatic staff and families of government employees to leave Nigeria's capital of Abuja due to a heightened risk of terrorist attacks. According to Deutsche Welle, the announcement came only two days after the department said that, amid concerns, it would permit non-essential staff at the embassy in Abuja to leave voluntarily. The order to leave the capital was announced yesterday in a revised State Department advisory, which warned American citizens to reconsider travel to the African nation due to terrorism, crime, and other threats. The U.S. State Department did not specify what the likely targets might be. However, a country summary of Nigeria warns that terrorists may attack with little or no warning, targeting malls, markets, hotels, restaurants, bars, or schools. Political Europe reports that after nearly 150 years of economy-pumping service, the internal combustion engine is bound for the scrap heap. In talks that concluded Thursday night, EU lawmakers agreed to set a zero-emissions sales mandate for new cars and vans by 2035. The deal secures a first win for the European Commission as it looks to push through a major package of green laws and sacrifices one of the continent's biggest industrial products, the gas-guzzling car engine. In confirming the engine ban, Brussels has swerved senior German politicians, automaker captains in parts of its once-powerful all-car industry that had fiercely lobbied against betting solely on battery electric vehicles as part of efforts to tackle transport emissions. The EU rules won't affect older cars already on the road by 2035, but the overall ambition is to make sure that all vehicles inside the EU are zero emissions by 2050 through general fleet churn. New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern appeared awestruck yesterday to be standing in the Antarctic hut of explorer Ernest Shackleton. According to the AP, Ardern is making a rare visit by a world leader to Antarctica to see firsthand the research taking place on global warming and to mark the 65th anniversary of New Zealand's Scott Base, which will be demolished in a few years to make way for a rebuild. Ardern's trip has highlighted some of the challenges of visiting the icy continent. Her first flight in a military cargo plane was turned around after two hours on Tuesday due to strong winds and deteriorating weather. She made it to Antarctica the next day, accompanied by a single pool journalist whose photos and videos can take many hours to transmit overnight due to the tenuous internet capacity. She is due to return home Saturday. In lighter news, the AP reports that Maine is cleaning up its roadways by removing the flippin' vulgarities from license plates. The state is enforcing new rules to eliminate F-bombs and other obscenities that appeared on vanity license plates 
after the state effectively eliminated its review process in 2015. It's a bit of a head-scratcher how a bunch of descendants of Puritans in a New England state ended up putting some of the raunchiest messages on state-issued license plates. One notorious license plate that used a profanity that starts with the letter F followed by the word U. Maine's new rules, which Bellows said track closely with New Hampshire's revised standards, ban derogatory references to age, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, national origin, religion, or disability. Also banned is language that incites violence or is considered profane or obscene. And to that, I say a word that starts with F followed by the word U to Maine. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. This weekend, we'll speak with Joe Serencione, a nuclear weapons expert, about the newly released Nuclear Posture Review. If you're a member, send us an email or head over to the Slack to share your questions with us. If you aren't a member, go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.